Thanks for joining us for the Fight for Your Marriage podcast with Charlene Steinkamp. This is a place where you can find hope for your marriage through Jesus Christ. Hey, it's Lori, and I'm glad that you're joining us for another episode of the Fight for Your Marriage podcast. Today, I've got the microphone to myself, and I want to talk to you about the battle that we have in our minds. Recently, we were driving home from church, and I noticed in a garbage pile in front of someone's house two adorable rocking chairs. They were wooden rocking chairs like you'd find on the front porch of a Cracker Barrel restaurant, and someone was throwing them out. And so I begged my husband to pull over and to let us grab the chairs, which is way outside of his comfort zone. But he obliged, and pretty soon we had two rocking chairs in the back of the van. My husband kept insisting that he didn't think the rocking chairs were in good condition, but I assured him that with a coat of paint, I was sure that I could make them into something amazing. So that afternoon, I grabbed my can of paint and I headed to the backyard excited to make over my new found treasure. And I was surprised as I kept wiping the chairs down and turning them over that I could see wood rot in various places that wasn't really evident when I picked them up on the side of the curb. And the more I inspected, the more wood rot I found. But I'm kind of a stubborn person, admittedly, and so I stuck with it. And I decided I was just going to paint it and I would just glue things that needed to be glued or add a screw if a screw was needed. And I just was sure that I could turn these chairs into something amazing. As my husband kept coming out to check on me, he kept saying, there's no chance I'm ever sitting in one of these chairs because it will never hold a person up. And as I stood outside in the yard painting my chairs, it reminded me of our spiritual life and how often we attempt to cover up a real problem by thinking that we can just slap a coat of paint on it. We cannot play games. We can't. And that's what we're trying to encourage people to understand, especially when you're standing for marriage restoration, is that we're not playing games about spirituality. We are fighting for eternity. We're either going to be spending eternity in heaven or hell, and we have loved ones who don't know the Lord, and we are fighting for them to understand the price that Jesus paid on the cross for them. We have to stop playing games. We can't play the game of holiness. Do I really know the Lord, or do I want others to think that I know him when I post a scripture or share something on my social media that's churchy, as I like to call it. We have to stop playing games. The rocking chairs I picked up on the side of the road may not be solid enough to support a person sitting in it. Even though I put great paint on it and I bought a cute pillow, their foundation is not what I thought it was. And we have to be serious about our foundation. And I know one of the biggest things that can rock our foundation is the battle that we can often have with our thoughts, the battle that we can have with our minds. All three of my oldest kids attend the same university, and recently a student took his own life. My son called me after grabbing dinner on campus one night and said, there's a lot of police on campus, and I'm wondering if you've heard anything about what's going on. When we finally heard what happened the next day, I couldn't help but think while my son was out enjoying dinner with his friends at an on-campus restaurant, another young man was sitting in his car 
listening to the lies of the enemy and believing that he didn't matter or that his life wasn't worth anything. And I can't imagine the heartbreak and the despair that this man was going through at this time, feeling like the only way out was to take his own life. I've been heartbroken hearing about how many people have committed suicide since the start of the pandemic. I know in our community, we've had many people that have taken their own life. Even a prominent retired doctor took his own life in our community just last night. And I wonder if these people have felt like they were just putting a coat of paint on their problems, thinking that it would make things better when there was deeper issues. Now, before we get too in-depth today, I want to say very clearly that there's a difference between battling thoughts in our mind and dealing with anxiety and depression. And yes, there's always a spiritual solution to problems, but we have to keep in mind that in addition to prayer and to spiritual solutions, There may be other solutions like therapy or medication that are needed. And so I'm in no way saying that we can pray away anxiety or pray away depression. And I'm in no way saying that medication and therapy is the only solution. I think that Jesus is our solution. And I think that when we are battling the minor thoughts that the enemy wants to plant in our mind, that there's a way to combat those. My mom has diabetes, and so a few times a day, she has to give herself insulin to regulate her insulin levels. We don't go through life thinking that it's okay if she doesn't give herself insulin. And so just like a person may need additional help for depression or anxiety, we want you to understand that, that there may be additional help that's needed. One of the most popular teachings that my mom has ever done is called The Battle for Your Mind. And we have that recording available in our store. And on that teaching, she speaks about how important our thought life is. Pastor Craig Groeschel says, Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thought. What we think shapes who we are. And I think that statement is so bold, but it is so true. Is our thought life is often directing what we're doing. Philippians 4, 8 says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And those words, when you read those, and you've probably read that scripture over and over again, may sound so simple. Just think about these lovely things, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable. Think about those things. But these words were being written by Paul, who at the time was sitting in a prison cell. He was writing from a place of heartache and from a place of despair. And there's days where your life might feel like a prison cell. Your circumstances may feel absolutely impossible. You might find yourself grappling with thoughts like, my life's never going to change or nobody cares about me. Or this really one that we hear often is that there's no hope. I want you to know that there is hope and it starts with Jesus. I've had nights where the enemy has tormented me with thoughts of despair. Nights where I try to close my eyes and go to sleep, but the burden that I was carrying at that moment just seemed too heavy. It was as if there was no end in sight to the problem. And that's what the enemy wants us to believe. Isn't it funny how those dark feelings are so common at night? A new day and a new sunrise always gives us such hope. 
And when we're in the middle of those dark nights, we have to remember that, that tomorrow is coming. When we travel to Cincinnati with our daughter, we like to take her to one of the tallest buildings in downtown and look out over the city. They have those big view cameras up there that look like a giant telescope. You slip your quarter in and you could use one eye to look out over the city. I'm not sure what it is with these things, but I feel like I always struggle to get them to work. I put my quarter in and then I squint my eye and I try to get lined up just right and all I see is blur or even sometimes my eyelashes. Everyone around me can get it to work and they could see the beautiful things and they're standing there telling me about it and I'm trying to get focused, but I just can't see it. The enemy treats us the same way. He wants us to lose our focus. He wants us to feel as if the beautiful things and the hope that other people are telling us exist because of Jesus Christ don't really exist. And just like I struggle with those silly telescopes, he wants us to think that our future looks distorted. He wants us to feel hopeless. I love what 1 Peter 5, 7 through 10 says. It says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. We have to be aware. When I had that night of restlessness, I was not feeling very strong or firm or steadfast. And I had to identify what was causing it. I had a super busy week that week, and so I wasn't spending time with the Lord like I should have been. Can you imagine someone showing up to a battle with no weapon? We have to arm ourselves with the word of God. I also had to realign my focus. And much like looking through that telescope on top of that Cincinnati high rise, I had to ask someone to help me so I could get my focus in perspective. Find a person in your life who you trust and open up to them about what you're feeling. Open up to them about the struggles that you're facing. I feel like people fall in two categories when it comes to sharing. Person A shares every detail with anyone who will listen. And person B slaps a smile on every day. And when asked, how are you doing? They always answer with great, even though we know that deep down things are probably not so great. I think that we could probably fall somewhere in the middle. We can't think that the coat of paint, just like I tried to put on my broken rocking chairs, was going to make the deep hurts and the brokenness better. But we also can't think that we can fix it on our own. We need a trusted person who you can confide in, a person who has the same relationship with the Lord that you do, that they can pray for you and If you don't have that person, ask God to provide that person for you. He's so faithful and he will. You may know someone who comes to mind in your church who you respect, and maybe you can ask that person, would it be okay if I called you and you prayed with me sometimes? Or reach out to them and see if they would be your accountability partner. In Psalm 13, 14, and 15, we see David almost pleading with the Lord. 
Let me read a portion of it. Psalm 13 verse 1 starts, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? Have you ever felt like that before? You're wrestling and every day is more and more sorrow. How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord, my God. Give light to my ears or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. And then verse five, there's a shift. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord for he has been good to me. I bet you can identify with what David was going through. In the early parts of chapter 13, he's struggling with the why questions that we can so often ask God. And by verse five, he's saying, okay, I know the truth. I too trust in your unfailing love. And I do rejoice in your salvation. And you have been good to me. And I think that David was getting his focus realigned and he was affirming that he was on this solid foundation that he needed to be on. David was literally going through a battle, but he knew that God was with him. Every time I attend a funeral, I have this same thought. I wonder if the person who died knew how loved and cared for they were. I sit and listen to the people who give a eulogy or even the people that are attending a service and listen to them standing around talking about fond memories of the person who died. And I always wonder, did they ever tell them that? Did they ever share how important that one conversation was with the person who died? I know that today you may need someone to come alongside you and to tell you that you're loved and cared for. And my prayer is that the Lord is going to send someone into your life who can meet that need. But right now, you could be that person for someone else. Who do you know that could use some encouragement? Who do you know that could just use a friend? Who can you think of that just could handle a person coming alongside them and saying, can I help pick up your kids? Or is it okay if I sweep your front porch for you? It is so easy in this day and age to make contact with other people, but it's also so easy to slip away and to stop having human contact. And I'm really challenging you that while you're waiting for someone to come meet those needs in your life, that you try to be the person meeting a need in someone else's life. Send somebody $5 through your phone and tell them to go grab a coffee Right now, you could do it through an app easily, and within minutes, they could have that money on their phone and know that you're thinking of them. The next time you're out grocery shopping, maybe pick up a pie and drop it off on a friend's front porch with a note, just letting them know that you care about them. Send out a card. Do you remember those? We use the postal service for it. I know that we like to do things electronically now, but go grab a card from the dollar store and send out a card to someone just telling them that you're thinking of them. I can't tell you how often I think about a person or they'll come to my mind and I'll pray for them. And then that's the end of it. I let it go. And I've really tried to be good this year about putting action behind it. So when I wake up with that person on my mind, I'll drop them a text or a card that says, I don't know what's going on, but I want to let you know that I prayed for you and I care for you. And it's amazing how much that means to a person. Let the people around you know that you're thinking about them. Let them know that you respect them. Let them know that you admire them. 
your words might be the difference between life and death for someone. That person that you sent that note to or dropped off that pie with may be going through one of those dark seasons where they're battling the thoughts in their mind. And your words can be the thing that brings them the hope and encouragement that they need to face another day. I know the enemy is going to try to use this season of hardship in your life to bring discouragement. And I know that on those nights that you lay down in bed and you think about all the impossible things you're facing, it can feel so overwhelming. But I also know that time and time again, we have seen God move mountains. And if you would think about it, I'm sure you can think of times in your life where you've already seen his faithfulness. We were driving with my mom recently and she said, what do you think the most popular car color is on the road? which I'd never given any thought to, but her comment was that she really thought that white cars were more popular than any other color car. So as we continued our drive, everyone in the car was now noticing every white car that would drive past us. Well, we were looking for them. So that's why we were noticing it. And I want to challenge you to be looking for the ways that Jesus is answering prayer in your life. Look for the ways that he's carrying you. Be looking for him all around you. When we're looking for hardships, it's amazing how we find it. When we're looking for Jesus, it's amazing how we find him. So what are you going to be looking for today? When I'm having a bad day, my thoughts can spiral out of control if I'll let them. So who are you looking for today? I want you to be looking for Jesus. And I know that for many of you, the nighttime is hard. And I want to challenge you before you go to bed at night, have just a time of worship with the Lord. I don't know if you do devotions in the morning or at night. I know my mom does them both. She does it in the morning and right before she goes to bed, the last thing she does is read her Bible. But that's a great time to turn on some praise music, to have some time with the Lord reading the word or reading a devotional book, spending some time in prayer. It's such a peaceful way to go to sleep instead of letting the enemy lay burdens on your heart as you're trying to rest in Jesus. If nobody has told you recently, I want you to know that you matter. You matter so much that Jesus died on the cross for you. And you matter so much that if nobody else walked on this earth except for you, God still would have sent his son to die for you. That's how special you are. And I believe that when God sends his son to give up his life for us, that he's not going to stop there. He's not going to abandon us and he's not going to leave us in a pit and he's not going to leave us alone. And I believe the word is true when the Bible says that God will work things out for his will. So I pray that whatever you're facing today, that you will rest in Jesus Christ. Do not let the enemy torment you. Do not think that we can just walk through life being fake and playing games. We can't do it. We have to get serious. You have got to not just put paint on the rocking chairs of your life and tell people that you're great and tell people that everything's fine and that you don't need help. But instead, you need to get back to the foundation 
and really fix the foundation. And if you're not walking with Jesus right now and you've stepped away from him and you're spending more time complaining about your problems than you are in his word and being renewed by him, I want to challenge you to flip that script and to go back to the Bible, go back to the foundation and to let Jesus be the person who gives you the source of strength to face tomorrow because he is faithful and I know that he will do it. And in case you're wondering, my rocking chairs came out beautiful. They're sitting on the front porch and I kept the wood rot on one of the chairs as a constant reminder of this very lesson that I talked about today. So one chair is safe from the hubby and the other chair is a good reminder for me. Have a great day. If you are like me, you probably like to have as many things in your life automated as possible. Nowadays, we can automate so many things from telling our vacuum when to clean the house while we're at work to automating the oven to turn on to cook our dinner. Well, one of the things that people have enjoyed is our family challenge. It is an automated donation that you can make every month to Rejoice Marriage Ministries without ever having to think about it. When you sign up for the Family Challenge, you can pick your predetermined donation amount and on the first or 15th day of each month, depending on the date that you choose, until you tell us to stop, you will make a monthly contribution to Rejoice Marriage Ministries without ever having to think about it. You can visit www.rejoiceministries.org and click on Donate to find out more about the monthly Family Challenge. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages.